Hey, Freedom Fam. Welcome to the Unlock Your Freedom podcast. My name is Kira Miller. I am the founder and host of this series. Every other week, we'll bring you some of the most life-giving conversations that will empower you to overcome your shame, own your truth, and unlock your freedom. Thank you for joining this conversation today. Now let your journey towards freedom begin. Hey guys, I'm Kira, aka The Rage Boss. Welcome back to my podcast, which I have now officially renamed to Unlock Your Freedom. And by the end of the podcast conversation today, you'll understand why. Because today, I am the guest. I am in the Budweiser hot hot seat (laughs) with Sean, who is usually behind the camera filming. But he's going to interview me today, and I can't wait to share my story with you guys. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. So, Kiera, how would you describe yourself at the beginning of your journey with shame? Hmm. Well, shame is the word I totally feel like now, looking back, that that's the way I kind of could define myself. And what I noticed looking back on my life is I always knew that I was different and I was okay with a lot of the different things, except I grew up in a very, try not to be mean, but like a very... (laughs) Uh, conservative community that just like didn't really know anything beyond what they knew and so it was a little challenging to really embrace fully who I am and like the different parts of me I mean for example my family's not from Indiana like they're not from a very conservative community Um, my mom's actually Jewish so technically I'm Jewish and like we were the only I think we were maybe one of two or three Jewish families in small town Indiana. So, I mean, just things like that, I felt really different. And I think one of the biggest things that I noticed about myself from a a young age too is that I, well, I always had different values than everybody else, it seemed like, around me. Like, I just cared so much about people. And, I mean, for example, I feel like I've been sharing this a lot with people lately, but like for an example, I, when I was in high school and people would talk all the time about how they like would get trashed over the weekend and stuff like that. And, oh, I just partied so hard, that kind of stuff. I literally would sit in those conversations and I would just be silent and I wouldn't know what to do or what to say. And then actually at times I would, because I think because I felt ashamed of like being quiet and not fitting in, I actually would like just pretend to laugh and yeah. like pretend to join in chime in with the yeah. group like right that's cool but i never i never had anything to say because i didn't drink so i was <laughs> yeah. like repeat yeah, things that somebody funny. else said right there like yeah, yeah drinking's also what i think is cool yeah <laughs> except no i don't so <laughs> right, right, right. i like i pretended to be someone i'm not and that is like i kind of remember just throughout my entire life like that was really who i was was pretending to be someone i'm not right Seeing and yourself i think outside of the groups around yeah. you right. and i think it's because like i said i just i knew i was different and for some reason i wasn't okay with it and i haven't really been okay with that until recently but um actually something that i wanted to share that's like a song lyric because mm. i don't know i feel like it just kind of perfectly describes how I felt in the beginning of my like entire journey Great is uh, so the words are I'd rather pretend I'm something better than these broken parts pretend I'm something other than this mess that I am because then I don't have to look at it and no one gets to look at it and then no one can 
No one can really see because I've learned to slam on the brake before I even turn the key, before I make the mistake. Before I lead with the worst of me, I never let them see the worst of me because what if everyone saw, what if everyone knew, would they like what they saw or would they hate it too? Because like I said, I didn't really know how to embrace being different. So I don't know if I hated it, but I just didn't really embrace it and I didn't love myself for who I was. And then this is like a really strong lyric. It says, will I just keep on running away from what's true? My entire, like, I would say the first, like probably 20 years of my life, that is like, that sums it up right there. Like I just ran away from what was true in my life. And so conditioned to run towards social groups, opinions versus towards your own or staying strong. Yeah. And so like, that's an example from high school. Um, another example is like, I mean, I wanted to be popular. I wanted to hang with the popular kids, but I was always the outcast. Like I always tried, the more I tried, the harder it was and like the more I failed. And so I ended up like just realizing that I couldn't fit in with them. And then I like, I felt very isolated about it, but ended up realizing that like, I don't have to fit in and I can just be me. Um, Those first high school lessons of how to improve yourself is to be more like everybody. And then you have to (laughs) unlearn that for the rest of your entire existence. Yeah, like literally your entire existence. Well, and so like that's another example. Another like another really good one is my brother was kind of like the perfect child with everything. I mean, nothing Mm -hmm. against him. He just for some reason he was good at everything. He was good at (laughs) academics, like top in his class was an incredible singer, could like play the guitar, (laughs) sports, top athlete, like popular, all that, like literally the perfect child. Makes you relative to all that. Yes. (laughs) And so I just, it was never my family saying this. It was never my brother doing this. It was me. I always wanted to be as successful as him and because I couldn't, but I I tried. I've tried to follow in his footsteps with everything. And because I couldn't, I just saw myself as a failure. Right. For a really long time. Failure to be somebody else. Yes. Right, exactly. And that's what I ended up learning. I mean, the last several years is like, when you try to be someone else, you can't. Yeah. You, you have to be you. You could, you could do an incredibly, incredibly thorough job and be kind of close. Yeah. But you'll always just be good and not great. Yeah. Exactly. 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 How would you describe, what, what do you think was part of your beginning to transition from that point of view? Hmm. from judging yourself relative to your brother or your peer yep. groups to coming to start to overcome that? Well, this is actually like something that I wasn't even planning to talk about, but I, this is like a funny, I la- look back now and I'm like, this is hilarious, but <laughs> it was like really sad at the time. But I, um, I had a year where just kind of everything went wrong in my life. Right. And I mean, for example, hilarious. I totaled the driver's ed car. Oh my like, gosh. what? Total the driver's ed car. I own that now. It's hilarious. And you, uh, here you are with your <laughs> license, though, today. We I know, right? And I always <laughs> tell people before they get in my car, I'm like, just so you know, I total the driver's ed Another car. transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was that. And then I don't really remember in which, like, which happened first and stuff, but it was all my freshman year of high school. Right. Or going into my freshman, no, going into my sophomore year of high school. I think it was like the freshman year leading into yeah. sophomore year. And some other stuff happened. I actually played volleyball 
and got kicked off the volleyball team slash got suspended from school because I was talking to you earlier about how yeah. I struggle with my anger. Right. Well, I was really competitive with sports and I was good at sports. Right. I just was never like what my brother was, right. I felt like, and I couldn't handle myself under pressure. Right. And that competitive nature, gosh, I know what you mean by that, but yeah. that competitive nature, right, that gets you amped up yeah. and then not knowing how to direct that sometimes. Yeah, no, know. I didn't. I really didn't know how. And so I play on this volleyball team. We were in a championship game. And I was doing great. Just saying. I was doing pretty good. I wish I had some clips. Can we pull up the clip? <laughs> I don't think I have that, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I was doing pretty good. And my coach took me out because in volleyball, like, you rotate positions. Yep. And then um, – but you can't – like, the person can stay from the back line to the front line. And I was pretty good at all positions. So, like, typically I stayed front to back. But um, my coach took me out and put someone in who <laughs> – Hopefully she never watched this podcast, <laughs> but I she just wasn't as good as me. And yeah. what happened was she like they kept hitting the ball to her every single time, and that's where I would have been. Right. And she missed every single yeah, ball. You were watching your potential success. Yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> and of course, my anger was just like, yeah. like just shot up. And so I, um, so yeah, after the game, we lost a championship game. And I went to the locker room and I started throwing stuff. Like, oh. just like I, I threw shoes, I threw my bag, I dropped the F-bomb, oh. and I yelled. Yeah. This is what I yelled. I'm going to effing kill my volleyball coach. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, which, not okay. Do not ever do that. A threat is a threat. And that's what I had to learn. Right, and like, right. this, no, I was not going to go do that. I genuinely was not going to do that. It was fully just... This rage inside of me that came out, but d like keep control of yourself because what happens is you end up getting questioned by the police. Yeah, people have to take things seriously. Yeah, you right? have to job. take things seriously. So I don't either. Someone told on me, or my coach heard me. She wasn't in the locker room, so that's why I'm confused. But I was so pissed. Some rat. Yeah, I'm narc. So, yeah, right. Some mm -hmm. narc. But I was so pissed because she took me out of the game, and so I yelled that, and. Uh, my coach came up to me after like after we left the high school auditorium or gymnasium right. and said something like, hey, Kira, I heard what you said, and I, like, I have to call the cops about this. And I was like... She has to call the cops about yeah. this. That's what your she's, coach said? Well, she's like, I have to take this to the school, oh, and they're going to like talk to the cops and everything. And I it was like... It doesn't help anything. Know, like She but, should know you well enough to not... But, but also... Besides like, the point. <laughs> fair enough. It was not the right thing to do. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's still not correct to yeah, do what you don't did. Don't do that. But I wouldn't, you know, well, whatever. <laughs> but my consequences, like, I definitely de deserve them. But um, I, so I got suspended from school and was questioned by the cops. Mm. And um, they basically just asked me, like, they basically, I mean, they basically were asking me questions like, uh, they did, actually did well. You mean it? <laughs> well, that and it's like they actually kind of were trying to twist my story. I'm not even kidding. Oh. And I think it's because they just heard what they heard and yeah. like but they didn't know the full story, but I did feel like they were trying to convince me that I did something I didn't do. And I was like, "Okay, like that's yeah. I don't remember like I definitely didn't do that." And it wasn't even a, I don't remember it was actually. What were they trying to make seem so serious? Or were they trying to like I guess maybe but I was just like, well, and the whole team was questioned by the cops too. So oh maybe it was like, yeah. See, that's why that's why the coach doesn't. You don't go to the cops. Well, get your team well, questioned. Okay. 
Sorry, she went to the school and then the school went school to the school. cops. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair but enough. which they kind of <laughs> have to do because it's a threat. Yeah, a but, little more on the school level, I guess they do, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so, anyways, got questioned and then basically decided for myself I wanted to go to therapy mm-hmm. because I knew that something was wrong, and what I knew was this was anger coming from something, and I didn't really know what that was and. A lot of it was like heartbreak from friendships because I was one thing I knew about myself was like I was always the friend who like invested all of myself into the other person. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, those people just were not able to reciprocate because of certain circumstances. And I forgive them now for it. But it took me a really long time to get over that. Very hard to to learn to not be able to expect the same amount of effort yes. that you give to people. Yeah. It's a lesson lots of people have to learn. Yeah, right? and I was just pretty expectant with that anyways. Like, I would, I was just always like, well, they should be giving back to me what I give exactly. to them. But, like, I, I ended up going to therapy and just really started to break down, like, who I am. I, th- I feel like this is the first time in my life that I really started to, like, break down who I am, what's going on with me, and like why I act the way I do and why I had so much rage built up inside of me. Right, that first serious self-reflection. Yeah. You can actually sort of look at yourself, step back a little bit and ask some important questions. Yep. And so like that was, oh, and there was a third thing that happened like during, I think this was actually while I was going to therapy. So another sports situation, my, uh, I was playing softball and I was going to, I was a catcher and the coach asked me if I could pitch for a game, which I did pitch, but I didn't want to because I knew right. I wasn't that good. And it was a huge game and I there was a lot of pressure. So yeah, you wanted to do what you're good at. Yeah, you're I didn't want to be the pitcher and right. I hate pressure. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I straight up told him, I was like, no, I'm not going to pitch. Right. Well, he was like, oh, you're going to pitch. You have to pitch. Like, you're uh, the only one that can pitch right now. You have to pitch. These coaches. Right? And I also didn't like... I'm, I've never been good with authority. It's been hard me for neither. me. I could go into my whole sophomore year football <laughs> story, but we'll just skip that. Similar, huh? Yeah, as a kicker, I hated pressure too. Yeah, it's <laughs> scary. But but yeah, so I mean, I... Um, yeah, so he asked me to pitch, and I was like, nope, not going to pitch. Mm-hmm. And then I think he... Well, he was he just tried like... Tried to make you. Yeah, tried he tried to, to make you're me. Just, you're going to have to. Right? Yeah, and actually, fortunately, my mom was standing right there and was like, actually, she's not going to pitch because I know she does under oh, pressure right. too. I was like, thank you, mom. Right, right. <laughs> so I... This is for you, coach. This yeah, is for right? you. <laughs> right, so. And so uh, I don't really... I don't really remember fully the events that led to this either, but I went home that night, took like 10 Tylenol, because oh. I just, it wasn't, I didn't want to kill myself. I, it wasn't yeah. that and serious. And Tylenol is one, one, of the only, one of the only things, 10 of that doesn't sound like no. it will kill you. But, but I bad. wanted to either, I was craving attention or I like just wanted to not feel something. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. And so. Right, or combo, right. It was really hard for me. Like, so I did that and I of course just felt so much guilt and was like, oh my God, like I have to, I have to go to the hospital. I have to tell, or no, I have to tell my parents. That's what I said to myself. I have to tell my parents. So I told them, my mom immediately was like, we have to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like you have to get this out of your system. Didn't get my stomach pumped, but I had to like drink this disgusting charcoal. Oh, like literally it's charcoal that absorbs the pills inside your system. Oh my gosh. And it's literally like a cut or a a bottle of charcoal. (laughs) How do they get you to be able to ingest that? You just drink it. 
You just drink it. <laughs> you just drink <laughs> it. And it's disgusting. But I was like, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. So, wow. so that happened. And uh, like that night, I think was also just a big part of like, um, just it, it was all, it all happened in, around the same time. And I kind of just like, I think these series of events really forced me to self-reflect right? and um, figure out not what was wrong with me, but like why I was hurting. Right. And how old exactly? You, this so was, that was high school. Right, right. So, so it was, was like, like earlier kind 16, of high school? 16, I think. Right. Yeah. I'd say 15 or 16. And then like, I mean, the biggest part of my entire story is the thing that like has been so hard for me to share for the longest time. And this is the first time I'm talking about it publicly. So woo. But... <laughs> I, um, for the longest time, like 10 years, I actually, what people call catfishing, I did that. Right. So and describe, I, describe catfishing really quickly. Yeah. The, so I. The, what's how you describe yeah. it? Yeah. So fortunately, so actually I did that. I'm a girl and I did that to girls mm-hmm. because I wanted to push down the fact that I am attracted to the same sex. Mm-hmm. So I also am attracted to men, but. That's not a shameful thing. To me, a shameful thing is being attracted to the same sex. So I did this thing where I pretended to literally be someone else. I created this like fake guy online. And because I have a deeper, lower voice, I could get away with it when I called people on the phone, like crazy stuff. Um, Did this for like 10 years and would like, I mean, literally these girls lived in like Salt Lake City, LA, whatever. Like I, my whole thing was, well, what I realized through all of this self-reflection is like the one thing I really wanted in my life was to just like, I knew I was loved by my family, but mm-hmm. I wanted that like extra love. I yeah. wanted that like deep intimacy with people. Of course. And there's a certain kind of love that your family is actually like the, the last kind yeah. that can give to you. Kind of like yeah. a new identity kind yeah, of love. Exactly. You know? And like, I always was confident that I had my family's love, but there there's just like there's always that deep it, intimacy that's right. like missing and I the feel automatic, like for a lot of people. The automatic kind of love can there's a certain hole that that almost doesn't fill. Yeah. Because you know that it's kind of no matter what. That's true. Right. Yeah. It's expected of them, you know. So true. And because this is more of like like people have to love you for who you are in the relationship sense, like right. a romantic relationship, they that's to scary. love you for who you are yeah. versus a kind of not an obligation, that's a bad word for it, yeah. but but a, but something that you do expect of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I, so I like did this catfishing thing for 10 years, right. pretending to be somebody else. I was going to say, right, right. Yeah. So is that catfishing, you would describe that in your own words as pretending to be somebody else, but in order to... Oh, in order to uh, like feel loved by other people. Right. So you, you would create... Um... I created this fake person. Right. And was like, I tried to get these girls to fall in love with me. Right. So you were trying wild. you were trying to create sort of like romantic or intimate like yes. speaking relationships with people. Which you can't even literally do because like I can't go see those people because then they right. know I'm not who I said I was. Right. Well, we're of the we're of the generation the first probably yeah. the first generation that learned that you can have entire sort of psychic relationships with people yep. that exist through just texted language yeah just through like words yeah. that you see not crazy. even through tone of voice no or it's literally just i mean some of them were literally right. through texting and that's it i think the I'm first like, person i called my girlfriend was yeah. a runescape person by the way so like <laughs> this is that? real this is oh yeah oh yeah but i, I was young but like this, yeah. you know, this is real yeah. we're the first generation where this is like a thing that can happen well you know? and 
I, you can't really get away with this now is the yeah. thing. Like, I feel like it's probably gone downhill catfishing because like you can't like people expect you to Skype them now and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah at yeah. the so, time, well, I didn't FaceTime. really. Let's just FaceTime. Yeah. Like I didn't really have that. So I could get away with it. So I did it for 10 years and kept it completely secret to everybody. I mean, I was right. literally living a double life. What, what, what was what's life. an example of it getting pretty serious like what's one of those that mm, seemed i mean i don't mean it getting serious like like crazy details but, yeah yeah but what is an example of you feeling like man i took that i took that pretty far i got this yeah yeah that's a that's a good question i like that um because that actually leads into because it's like what's the first thing that, there's a flag to yourself other than sort of an abstract kind of guilt or something yeah what's the first like i don't i don't feel like i'm the kind of person that should do that like what, what stuck out to you hmm well i think even before getting to that, right. the reason it wasn't even just so I could feel loved. You know how I talked about before about like being really invested in my friendships and yeah, they and then not always feeling the re- reciprocation. Well, and I felt like I had failed them, those friends, because they ended up leaving my life. Mm. And I got, I built up this huge wall where I was like, I can't impact people anymore. And like that is from day one that I can remember in my life, like that is the one thing that I always wanted was to help people. Mm-hmm. And in this catfishing thing, I would always like somehow get or like go find the most broken hearted people. Yeah. And which was my friendships anyways. Right. But like when I was creating this fake person, like that's what I was doing too is find the most broken hearted people. Right. And trying to help them through their pain. So it's like I convinced myself, though, yeah, that I was doing something absolutely. good when I actually wasn't doing something totally. good. Totally. You're finding the justification yep. because you're like, well, this reflects my true nature yep. because of this, because of this. Yeah. When really it's like the frame of how it reflects it's your not nature your true is nature. a little skewed. Right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I thought I, I knew I was doing wrong, but I tried to convince myself every single time no, you're helping this person. You can't leave now. You're helping this person. Right, like, they need who's, you. Yeah, they, they need, need you. And it was just, oh, that's such a lie. Like, yes, I think people need each other, but like they didn't need the fake person that I was. They yeah. needed the real me. Right. Because the real me would do what I was doing in the sense of like helping them, but I wouldn't have created a fake person. It can't be a fully genuine connection no. with a human who you know doesn't yeah. exist. Mm-hmm. And you know that your actual relationships are based on yeah. two human beings. Yeah. You know, like truly knowing each other. You can't give yourself to somebody if that self is made up. Yeah. Right. Well, and so, and I did this whole catfishing thing for, t- I think for two reasons, two additional reasons too, because I, I knew that I was attracted to the same sex mm-hmm. and I tried to cover it up for so long. And I knew that that was the one way that I could like experiment with it. Yeah. Not physically, of course, but like exactly. emotionally and stuff. And then the second thing, which I kind of just like really started sharing with people like as of a couple of weeks ago is I'd struggle with my gender identity kind of my entire life. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I've always worn more like masculine clothes. I mean, I was a right. tomboy growing up, but I, most people, most girls like grow out of being a tomboy. I didn't. Right. Like I genuinely find male clothes more comfortable i like am more masculine sometimes with things but i also i'm learning that i'm actually very feminine too at the Mm -hmm. same time so it's like it's like there are all those traits that's just somebody someday said that oh or some cultural trend suggested that men wear this kind of clothing or this but then combined with your questioning your sexuality Mm -hmm. that probably you probably freaked out more about it than anybody has to really when it comes down to it you know like oh am i supposed to 
act or dress yeah. a certain way. Well, and that's, you know, what society says. Exactly. You have to. And it's like, I, I have learned through this process that like, I, I mean, I still struggle sometimes. Well, no, I really, actually mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I struggle with like being attracted to the same sex sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't struggle with my gender identity anymore mm-hmm. because like at this point I'm like, I know that I am a female and that I am the most comfortable being a female right. actually. And I wanted to be a boy for the longest time and I never ended up changing right. that, I guess. I don't really know why I didn't, but I have throughout this entire process just learned how to embrace being a female. Right. And I'm glad I am. I really am glad at this point because there's like something about it that just makes me connect more with other people. And that right. makes this story almost like even better, right. like even more connective. And it's stuff. almost like why does a, why does a trait, uh, uh, a pattern of traits that you find within your own identity, yeah. why does that suggest that you have to not be a girl with those traits? Yeah. It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like that's almost like letting something yes. else that's just weird have and power over you. It's like you can be whoever you want to yeah. be and no that, matter And what. that's like the societal lies a lot of times yeah. too. Is it's like, I mean, like what you were saying earlier, you know, you would have to wear this if you're a female and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to express myself the way I'm going to exactly. express myself. And like, and to think that those definitions matter at all as far as what you're supposed to do. Fair, There's yes. There's no supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, right? Yeah, and it's like, what is true to you? And what I've learned that's true to me is like, I am a female, and I'm okay with being a female. Mm-hmm. I love that I'm a female now. Mm-hmm. And I am going to wear more masculine clothes. I just am, because yeah. they're comfortable, and I like them, and they're cool. Right. Like, this yeah. is freaking cool. <laughs> I like it. Where's the rule book? Of yeah. Like, uh, females wear these. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? But, and then, well, I remember, okay, I'll go back to the question that you asked. So, like, when did you feel like. Yeah, what's a, what's a red flag? What, some, something thing? that helped you notice that this is escalating in a way, something that helped be a little red flag to you that I need to try to make a change, you know? Getting caught. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the best yeah. way? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, the whole time I knew, half of me was like, I can't do this. Why am I doing this? You're never going to get out of this. Like, what are you doing? This is not you. But then the other me kept justifying it. Yeah, but there was but, still a justification machine. Yep. Right. And the big, the most important lesson I've learned in life is that, you, well, the truth will always set you free is the biggest lesson I've ever learned in my life. But that your lies will always be found out. And yeah. if they're not that actually kind of sucks. Mm. Like you should hope that your lies are mm. found out and I'll get into more of why, but right. there's a great Buddha quote. Three things are not long hidden, the sun, the moon, and the truth. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But that's it's pretty true. Yeah. 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 Huh. Can't hide the truth. It comes no. out. It, comes it, re- it really does. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I'm a spiritual person and I think God has a way of like, just being like, Oh, you're going to try to get around me in life. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And like that's because he wants you to live out truth and it's hard. Living mm-hmm. out your truth is really hard. But like truth will always manifest itself. Yeah. There's some way it's gonna keep coming up. And living from a place of truth is just the most effective thing you can ever do. But I think getting caught is what really like see, okay, so I got caught kind of a couple times. Like I kept right. going back to it right. and would figure out a different way around it. But I and got caught once. Yeah. So <laughs> Super funny story with how I got caught the first time. The one person I catfish, no joke. So, okay, the whole thing with catfishing is you, like, steal someone else's identity. Uh-huh. So I stole someone else's identity. So you identity. pretend to be a particular person yes. who does exist. Well, I actually, I didn't have the same name as that person, but I took their pictures. Right, right, right. So Some frame. Right? Yeah. So I, that, so one of the per- people I was, one of the girls I was catfishing, 
literally saw that person at oh. Disneyland. And she, this person lived in Indiana in my area and she saw them at Disneyland in California. In That's California, insane. literally insane. And then, yeah. <laughs> That's the truth coming out as fast as it can. Yes. <laughs> and like apparently that. she like, she told me that she like went up to the guy and was like, the person that I created, his name was Jeremy. Right. And she went up to the guy and was like, hey, is your name Jeremy? And he's like, no, my oh name's my Ian and his name's Ian. And she like didn't really think anything of it, but she was just like, oh, you look totally like this guy I know. And so I think she came back to me and said something. And I think that was, I didn't stop after that point because she didn't know. So I was <laughs> like, oh, she doesn't know. I'm good. And, but that was, I think the first time where I was like, that was a really dangerous confrontation this is, with the This reality. is not good. Like something something could actually happen here and it starts to feel more like you're stealing someone's identity yeah. if you're reminded that that person actually could be out there and recognized yep. for what you're saying. Yep. It's like, "Oh, that's a real thing. I'm not just doing a harmless thing." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and and like then after that, it seemed like it was a trickle effect. So, <laughs> then another girl I catfished had like found out who Ian was, not completely unrelated to the other person, like found out, like found that I was lying and figured out who the real person right. was and then like contacted the real person. The real person contacted me. Oh. And this is, this is like actually way before I ever came clean about anything, which right. I ended, I have actually talked to the real guy and right. let him know and stuff, but I'll get into that later. And I, uh, so I, what I did at that point was I shut down all social media. So that was the first like big thing was I shut down all social media and I just kept it to texting. So I was right. like, oh, we're good. Texting's safe. Social media, not safe. <laughs> so I shut it down. I kept the lie going for probably another three years or so maybe. This was going all the way through college. Like I think I, this all ended sophomore going into junior year. Right. So you were still, you were still um, talking to people from different identities but From only different texting, states, and but all not that kind with of uh, the kind of the photos and stuff anymore. I was still using the same photos, right? And I was still using the same name, right. Jeremy. But I just shut down social media, so right. I would like take the guy's pictures from hit, like the actual guy Ian's pictures, right. and like send them to girls via yeah. So texting. it kind of like limits the, yeah. the danger of them yeah. finding the real profiles. Exactly. Yeah. For some reason, I, and I can't really figure out why I thought that was a good idea, but. <laughs> it it worked. It really did. And then so so that was like probably high school and then it got to college, catfish another girl. Like this was there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot. This yeah. was a long lie, ten years, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's around there. Um it's probably started in like sixth grade too, which is crazy. A lot of weird things I could tell yeah. you about. L little delusions all throughout my young life. Don't worry. We're all like, there. How does someone think about this kind of a lie in in sixth grade? How old are you? Twelve? I think I, I, I automatically wanted to lie about so many things when I was, you know, yeah. all the way through up until probably the same age. Yeah. Like I had weird lies my whole life. So <laughs> I feel like this is not that unusual when it comes to the human level. And well, Wanting what I've learned through all this is reality. it's not unusual. Which right, is right. You sad. can probably talk to people. Yeah. I met other people who do the same thing. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and I'll go into that more in a bit. But I think uh, what I learned to, well, no. So I'll go back to like how I really came clean and stuff right. so college um catfish another girl freshman and sophomore year no maybe like senior year of high school freshman year and uh she ended up catching me and um 
and but I still kept uh, okay. So she she was friends with this girl, and I can totally use their names because they're actually like really right. close yeah. friends now. So or they're like close friends of mine now. So there's this girl Kayla from LA, and there's this girl, and they're really good friends. Right. I I started catfishing the no girl first, and. I didn't get caught by her, but she like stopped talking to me for a while. And then, uh, so I started talking to this Kayla girl instead right. who was her friend. And I think I found her on social media or something right. like that. So I went back onto social media a little bit, but not much. And, uh, I also, sorry if the story is confusing. <laughs> there's a lot to it and there's details that I'm not including. So, um, <laughs> I think we get the general chronology. Yeah. So, uh, first and then she stopped talking to me and then i went to kayla kayla's the one who lives in la yeah and she caught me kayla caught me and it wasn't like she didn't she caught me like i wouldn't facetime her one time and she's like okay you're lying and i was right. like oh shit uh-huh. <laughs> i was just like yeah you're right and so for this was the first time that i came clean where you told someone with yeah. kayla i was like you're right i'm not who i say i am i'm kira Yada yada, all oh, this man. stuff. Like first time I came clean, and how did that uh, feel to say all that for the first time to somebody? Awful. Yeah. Like genuinely awful. I felt so exposed. Right. Or and like seeing that it was the truth for the first time, yeah. not through their eyes. Right. Well, and her mom is like one of those people who's just like so involved yeah. that she, she was like, I'm gonna throw you in jail. I'm gonna call the cops. And Kayla, in the meantime, was like, Don't do that, mom. Like that's insane. But this lady was like, Moms she and like mom called, right? I don't have a great history, apparently. <laughs> so mom calls me up and is like, you're going, like, I'm I'm not taking this lightly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like, I don't know, throw you in jail, yeah. maybe that kind of stuff. Consequences, serious yeah. consequences. Serious consequences. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. So, I mean, I they ended up being fine with it. Like, she right. didn't do anything like that. And like actually developed a really great relationship with both of them. Um, but I still kept the lie going at that point, actually. Right. Still kept the lie going. and With with someone else? With her friend. With the first, yeah, exactly. The, the first one. So the girl came back into my life. I think this was like my freshman year of college. Now, and they didn't communicate about somehow about that. somehow okay. i literally don't right. know how they and like kayla almost caught me one time but somehow <laughs> i i don't even know i actually th- i no joke so i've i've been to both of their houses now right. i've slept over at both their right. houses like just as friends we yeah. are not we don't have a relationship we're right. not in a relationship um and i'm pretty sure the one time i slept over at kayla's house i think i was like catfishing Still throughout oh, that process, right. potentially. I again the gotta go to the bathroom, make some texts. Right. <laughs> like totally. I think the events are off in my mind sometimes because it was so much that I just mm-hmm. kind of forget. For but sure. I, yeah. So I went back to catfishing this girl and um, went for a really long time. It was awesome. Felt really loved. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. And then it just got to a point where it was like, um, so when you're gonna see me? And yeah. I kept acting like I would, and then I would bring yeah. up things where I'm like, oh, I can't see you because blank, blank, yeah. blank. And it must be every one of these relationships that you had with anybody would same get thing. to that same point, yep. and Absolutely. you'd have to start making the same cycle of excuses, yep. right? Probably got like, tiring. so many lies. Yeah. So many lies. And I, um, oh, so, yes, 
and ended up catching me. Um, I think like a year after we started talking again and she, uh, same thing was like, Hey, you need to come clean. Like you're not who you say you are, all this kind of stuff. And for some reason, this was where it all ended for me. I was like, okay, I felt horrible. Right. I I didn't want to do this to them anymore. I didn't want to do this to myself anymore. Right. Been through the cycle enough time. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes people a really long time to learn their lesson. And for me, it took a really long time. It took 10 years or something to learn my lesson, which is sad, but like, I understand why it took so long mm. now. Like, I understand the whole process. The hard, of it. complicated self-identity. I mean, type I literally lesson. lived a double life. Like, right. my I didn't tell a single soul any of this, and would like, like have to hide my phone. Like, my friends always wanted to like trade phones and like yeah. and like text each other's boyfriends and that right. kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, you're not touching. Yeah, my you phone. can't like, touch mine, right? And you don't get to know anything about my life. Like, right. I'm not sharing. I felt like I just withheld all of this yeah, information you're from caught everybody. in a bunch of strange lies you are cautious about what to say at all about yeah. certain things right yeah it just like makes you feel weird probably every yeah. day oh absolutely and so got caught by i think my sophomore year of college and that was the point where i was like okay enough is enough i'm tired of this i don't want to live like this anymore and i don't even think i can get i don't i've realized at this point i can't I can't do this. Like I, I will literally get caught. Right. I, like why would I keep doing this when I just know right. I'm going to get caught? It even caught. keeps building up to the same point. Yes, and, and it's then the it same can't thing. get past that point. Yeah. And each time that's like a new reflection on, yeah. on yourself when it reaches that end point. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I'll be super honest here and just say like that was probably one of the lowest points of my life because. Yeah. When you are exposed to something that you have just held on to, your entire shame, your secrets, your lies, all that, when you are exposed to all that, mm-hmm. or when all that is exposed. Right, everything you've been justifying. You have nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you literally have nothing left. And I couldn't tell anybody at that point. Like, I was too afraid to tell anybody. The only two people I could talk to about it were Kayla and mm-hmm. because they were the last two girls that I catfished. But, like, I didn't want to talk to them about it because I didn't want to give them that burden and I felt bad talking to them about it I was literally alone like I and and meanwhile I had friends in college and stuff but I couldn't share this because your real friends were the ones who didn't know that about you no they knew nothing about that and so I like I just remember being at my lowest and like the way I covered all this up was I became a huge workaholic like I literally brought my laptop to go hang out with friends. Right. I, so specifically, one time we went to a bar to go watch the FIFA World Cup. Uh-huh. I bring my laptop to the bar. To free, like yeah. who does that? To work. To work. Yeah. And I'll never forget that day. Just because who brings their laptop to a bar? Right. I don't. And I bring books, but. <laughs> okay. That's a little better. Oh, well, I don't know if it is. I did see in my hometown, uh, like, uh, a couple weeks ago, this old guy goes in all the time, and brings a crossword puzzle. I was like, "You're oh, that's a legend." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, so, so t- trading certain patterns for just different ones. You mean l- yes, like like starting yes. like workaholic bringing yep. your laptop in there is just something has to be on overdrive. Yep. You know? Something like I still have to cover this up. That was right. my whole thing. Like I can't, 
I can know my truth, but I can't let anyone else know my truth. That right. was the thing. And so I became a workaholic. I gained like 20 pounds. I literally would eat until I felt sick. Like, mm. and it wasn't, I was not bulimic. I mean, mm-hmm. fully transparent came out the other end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I literally ate until I felt sick. Yeah. I would go and like buy a pint of ice cream just about every single night yeah. and like would hide it from my roommates so that they wouldn't comment on it. Yeah. I did that. Um, I built up this huge wall that was like, I can't connect with anyone. Yeah. Um, I've been recently else? reminded that th- there's not an end to what people can try to replace no. um, other of their problems with. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what, so you, you can like I could think that oh well everything's like I could I could dislike something about myself and be yeah. like oh I'll just uh, read books every day yeah no that sounds very healthy like, yeah all uh, books and vegetables but it could just and be I the could same get addicted problem. to showing yeah. myself full of mm-hmm. books and vegetables yep. and that can be ex- like as harming yep. as any other thing you Absolutely. can get addicted to any anything, pattern in your life anything mm-hmm. literally anything and overdo anything yeah. right yeah and I I mean I've never like I've never used drugs or alcohol to do any of that stuff. And like, I mean, actually when I turned 21, I did start to drink. It never was like a problem for me though. I don't really, I actually really don't even drink anymore. It's kind of all like set and setting when you get that first freedom. Yeah. It's like, what's the community? What's the culture? And like, I had fun with it in college, but now I'm like, I just, I literally don't care to drink. Like I don't want to, I have no desires, so I'm not going to, but I replaced it with like being a workaholic um just not connecting with people and treating myself horribly i hated myself like i'll never forget thinking often who like how could you ever do this like who are you you're a horrible human being you are so you're you're horrible like that that was the lie that i told myself every single day you are a horrible person and like who could ever love you that Mm. those were like some deep thoughts that i had and i learned through um i mean there were multiple things that really helped me through all that and one was actually the forgiveness of kayla and the last two girls that i catfished um i will always credit them for this because not only did they just say hey i forgive you and like left my life they said hey kira we forgive you and we know that you actually had like you didn't have awful intentions with this you weren't like you weren't just trying to be some creep. Like you genuinely wanted love, and right. you genuinely wanted to help people. And you were giving a lot of yourself, just in a skewed way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So exactly. They, they saw what you were trying. They to They saw give who I really that. was. Yeah. And like, like I was saying earlier, so much so that they have invited me to their houses. I have literally flown out to see them, stayed in their house, like been introduced to their families, their friends. They always like it's so funny though when I'm well when I'm around Kayla's like friends and stuff specifically they're always like oh it's the catfish girl oh, yeah. right. and I'm like oh I hate this but now it's funny now I'm like yeah it's true you gotta own it <laughs> yeah, I get, you, you gotta do. wear it like armor at this point you I do Tyrion it, it's true would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I'm still having a hard time owning it but <laughs> right. this is the first time so while well, telling it publicly don't worry I won't make that your nickname please don't <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, so I mean, through their forgiveness right. and... Somebody who is directly affected being able to say, yeah. I know that about you yeah. and hey, it's I okay with you. me yeah. even though I know it. Mm-hmm. Did that help you? To forgive myself. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I think that was the biggest thing that helped me to forgive myself. And kind of like the whole catfishing thing, it got I got so sick of just being like sick, really. Yeah. 
that it got to a point where I was like, I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore either. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to stuff myself every night. I don't want right. to like block all these people out. So their forgiveness helped me to forgive myself. And well, the biggest thing that I can look back and say was like in the, in the hardest time of my life, when I thought I was a hundred percent alone, I actually realized that I was not alone. And like, that's God for right. me. Like God came through in so many ways. And I, like, just with the whole forgiveness thing, for instance, like even if they forgave me, like because God helped me to forgive myself, I was able to forgive myself. Like he showed me who I actually am and he showed me that I am forgiven no matter what I do and it doesn't make what I did okay. It will never make what I did what okay, what I did okay. But it, but he always covers it. Like he has so much mercy and grace and like, because of that, I can forgive right. myself. And it's almost like that was exemplified through the forgiveness and yeah, acceptance the forgiveness of, of, of those other people mm-hmm. that were affected. It's like, it's like what better way yeah. to show that kind of right? grace than Like he's so person. in the details like that. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm actually going to take the two people that you catfish and I'm going to say they're going to forgive you. It's the like, only pe- what? In, a, in a big way, that's the only people that could have forgiven yes. you. What's there to forgive? Yeah if you weren't one of the people afflicted, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's the most powerful kind of forgiveness and that you was, get. Yeah, exactly. That was the most powerful forgiveness. And from there, it just became easier to tell people. So I think I told my parents next. Yeah. Um, that was really hard. And Telling my parents huge, right. was really hard because not only had I betrayed their trust for so long, but my parents are the types of parents who like want to go through my entire life with me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this one makes me emotional. And mm-hmm. I shut them out from that. Yeah. And I just, I think they were scared. They were like, could she ever fall back into this? Like, um, is she okay? Like, right. those are the hard questions that I remember them asking. Because like, how are parents supposed to react and they can't yeah. decide? They want to do what's best for you long term. Yeah. And it was never like, Kira, we're afraid of what people think. It was never that. It was just, Kira, like, well, we're afraid of your safety though. Yeah. Like, or they want you to have a healthy relationship with yourself. Yeah, above and that all. too. Yeah. Like all those type, types of questions they're asking me. So I wrote my parents a letter and then sent it to them cause I was in college. It was a really deep letter, awesome letter. But, um, we ended up getting on a call for like, cause I couldn't see them at the time cause I was right. in college <laughs> Just, and okay. I, we needed to talk immediately. And so after I sent them the letter, the letter, they were like, hey, we need to talk. And so we got on the phone, talked for like two or three hours mm-hmm. just about everything. And I mean, I fully came clean. And like, so I, I told them and that really helped me. And then I think right after that, I told the guy that the identity that I took. Right. And I went and told him. And that was really hard, too, because it's like, hey, I just stole your identity for like 10 years. <sighs> and not only that, but there are. Many ways, and I'm not going into details of this, right. but there were many ways that I could have tarnished his reputation. Uh, misrepresented him. Yeah, misrepresented it's him. Because not him, it's you. Right? Exactly. And, and guess what? He forgave me. Yeah. And it's like, he was like, I'm, and I told him too, I was like, I really feel like I'm at a place where I know who I am and I'm more okay with who I am, even if it hurts. And yeah. he like said, I'm proud of you for that. And like, I don't even know this guy. Yeah. And it's like, just the most... I've never, like, I didn't think forgiveness was possible for what yeah. I did. And I was just shown 
repetitively uh, right. forgiveness and like and not just from a third party no from the people that from were the, the most people. tied up and affected yeah. by it and i'll be honest there are some people i haven't told because mm. that that i catfish because i either can't find them on the internet <laughs> anymore or because i'm just like i don't feel like i was close enough with them or like that this was soon enough you would just like be creating enough. an awkward thing potentially in their life yeah versus actually helping like so if they're listening and they hear this okay. I want to let you know I am sorry, and I never meant to hurt you, but I also had to learn who I was, and this is how I did, right. and, like, my intention was never to hurt people. It was it was to get love, and I would have done anything to get love, which is not okay, Yeah. but I think I also wanted to help people in that, and, um, but yeah, I mean, but now I'm, I'm open to telling anyone at this point and so so i told i told ian um and then i think after that i started telling my friends Mm -hmm. and uh i think it just like it got to a point where i was like well i and it's interesting too because still to this day i have a really hard time telling people like in person i've only told one person or one person yeah in person right i've told everyone else over text like which is kind of how it all went down in the first place yeah pretty crazy but, I mean, once the people know, I'm more than happy to talk to them about it because, right. like, it's just the initial, right. like, oh, God, I have to talk about this in right. person. So this is a huge step for me, sharing it freaking publicly. Like, yeah. uh, crazy. The more people that you told and the more people that were able to turn around and show you acceptance yeah. and love in the face of that, yeah. it's like, how many fake scenarios of disasters can your imagination keep yeah. inventing mm-hmm. if you keep on getting confronted with generosity of spirit instead yeah you know mm. you just keep on seeing people stepping up Give and back. inspiring you yeah mm-hmm. and and forgiving and loving you yeah it's like how many how how long can you still think that the, yeah. the worst is going to happen yeah right? well and oh that's so true and i'll get into that later too because <laughs> that's i mean as you know like the simarellis are mm-hmm. the reason why i have I th- they're not the reason why I've told my story, but they are a huge inspiration right. for why I've like been able to share who I am with so many people and mm-hmm. like to do this on the podcast and stuff. But um, I, and I think the next thing to kind of mention is this was all really hard for me and not, I mean, mostly because it was so exposing. It's yeah. like, oh, like every time you tell someone, you have to like face the shame mm-hmm. and you have to like, see how ugly you are so essentially you have to see the with something un- ugliness you. yeah the wounds you have to reopen the wounds every yeah. single time and like through the entire process of telling people the first i think the first year i actually was like tempted to go back to like mm-hmm. go back and do this and there actually were a few situations where i like kind of did mm. and then i i stopped myself so that was like that was probably sophomore either like going into my junior year of college or like sometime in sophomore year of yeah. college, like after I had come clean to everyone, like there were still, because I was so lonely, yeah. I just wanted to like feel love from someone. And I that was the time, well, that was actually when I couldn't really share with people at that point that I mm-hmm. kept falling back into it. But the more I told people, the easier all this became. And yeah. the less like I felt tempted to go back into it. And yeah, But 10-year habits are never going to die oh, easily. Oh, gosh, no. 10 and, years of- Habitual thinking is never going to just go away, right? No, but I mean, I will say, I guess I'm on like year, I feel like I'm at like an AA meeting (laughs) or something, but I'm year five, no, 
How old am I? About <laughs> to be 25. So I'm probably about five years clean uh-huh. with all this. And I got to say, like, I have no desire to go back. Mm-hmm. I have none because I don't ever want to be someone I'm not ever right. again. Because not only because of all the heartbreak and stuff, but because I've learned that, like, I love me and there are parts of me that are really difficult to deal with sometimes, but like I, every single piece of me is special and every Mm. single piece of everyone is special. Even the parts that you don't like, because, because this is the main thing, because you are able to connect so much more deeply with other people because of your heartbreak and your brokenness and your shame. Like if you don't talk about that, then yeah, it's going to control you. And like, you and it's it's going to be all for nothing you're going to go through shame for nothing but if you own your truth and start to share it with people like not only do you become free but everyone else gets to be free as a result we connect through our brokenness yes we do through humanity not through Through a skewed impression Mm -hmm. of perfect humanity yeah which doesn't make any sense no and and that's what i've learned and i've always known that i've always like been so inspired by people's stories like I can look back just when I was a child, like I would watch all these biopic films. I would read all these biographies, autobiographies. I would watch uh, things like the Make-A-Wish Foundation would always have these, um, I think it was called My Wish on ESPN. Like there, all these athletes would like bring in these kids who like had cancer and then they would like go do something with them for a day. And just like, this part's hard. Like the people's heartbreak has always had so much like, I think it's just always like connected with me so well. And I never really knew how to like connect with them back. I feel like because I couldn't fully give myself, but now I feel like I'm getting back to a place where I can just like fully connect with people's brokenness again because I'm able to own mine. So trying to connect through the impression of somebody else versus through the honest, open brokenness of yourself. Yeah. And like, I, I just, I feel like I can connect so deeply, deeply with people now. And like I said, I, I've always been inspired by people's stories and hence why I have a podcast. It just makes sense. Like (laughs) I, me being on camera never made sense, but like now I, I think I'm, I'm cool with it. But I always wanted to like help people go through whatever they were going through. Like I was the friend who invested so much into, time and energy into people and like I just wanted to listen to people because I knew that it would help me to overcome whatever I was going through right like I can learn something from every single person we were talking about that before the podcast started but like every situation I go into I come I try to I try to come in with an open mind and be like I can learn something from every single person in this room age sex religion doesn't matter Like everyone has something to offer and it's something different than everybody else. Like that's the unique thing about all of us is like we all have unique experiences and but they actually do relate really well to everybody else's experiences. Those things that high school would teach you to suppress for acceptance are going to turn into are going to be cultivated into or grow into the things that make you the most unique Mm -hmm. and are going to give you the most direct route of helping others is by confronting your pain and finding that truth in yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're told to hide if you want to be cool is exactly what's going to give you power to help others with your life. Mm -hmm. And like, 
I think in high school, I got to a place where I was able to start embracing, it wasn't this lie, but it was, I started to embrace like, hmm, that I struggled with anger, that I struggled with insecurity, and that I, like even actually started to embrace the fact that like, I was never very feminine. Mm -hmm. Like I started to embrace some of that stuff and I really took this motto to heart and it like has kind of become my life motto and it's simple, it's just be yourself just be yourself Mm -hmm. that's it like that was my like senior picture thing like I have Mm a I'm holding like this wooden thing that my friend made that says just be yourself and I just I see the power of that now like after all of this that I've been through and that I put people through I see just how powerful it is to be yourself and you can't confront yourself or learn yourself until you reflect on those phases of life like mm-hmm. what stood out to you from your past and trying to act like we don't all have phases in our past yeah. that are shameful ones mm-hmm. or ones where we have to learn ourselves for yeah. a while is exactly like trying to act like those don't happen is exactly mm-hmm. how to never be able to connect with another person yeah. because you can't connect you with can't perfection. Connect. No, you connect it's with not per- it's fragmented not journeys. Yeah. Quick Leonard Cohen, Leonard Cohen Ooh. quote, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's Ooh. how the light gets in. That's how the light gets in. The light just comes through the you, cracks yes. in people. Yes. Yeah, humans aren't aren't perfect. <laughs> I love that. So I feel like now that I'm at this place where I can share it, not only with like people that I love, but like publicly and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, but well, all this came through a process too, of course. Like I... Like, I would say, kind of calling it, like, owning my secret. Um, The process of this kind of all started, I would say, right after college. It really really felt like that was when it all was starting. Actually, right before I moved to Nashville. So I met my friends, the Cimarellis, and I don't know if they want me to include their name. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) they've been on. Fair enough. (laughs) And... uh, Slop Sims. Yeah, right. Um, and I met my friends and they just, they were like some of the first people that I like really told and like talked to them about it when right before I moved to Nashville, I, well, like a year before I moved to Nashville, 20, I don't know. Details don't matter. But, um, I met my friends, the Cimarellis and they just like really started talking to me about like vulnerability they were reading books from like Brene Brown who she always talks about shame and courage and vulnerability all that kind of stuff it was all these words were like things that I hadn't really thought of before um I mean I think I had to a certain extent but like I didn't really know the word shame until I started reading Brene Brown and so they started, the Cimarelli started introducing me to like these different books and authors right. and podcasts and stuff like that, that were like, hey, these people talk about being vulnerable right. and having courage and sharing your story. It's like a whole set of ideas, right? Yeah. Like you should, you should check them out so that you can like really start to own who you are. And I feel like that was kind of the turning point in my heart of like, okay, at some point, like I got to tell this story. And right. I didn't know how that was going to happen. Um, like, well, honestly, I, I knew I always wanted to tell this story, but 
at first when I wanted to tell it, it was actually from a place of like insecurity because right. I didn't really have any friends at the time, like really, really good friends. So I was like, oh no, like I need to share this story so that people can love me again. Right. That thing, my right, whole addiction. Exactly. Um, and I, so like, yeah, I mean, I want, I've always wanted to tell the story, but for the like for the first couple years of like coming clean i think my intentions were bad in wanting to tell the story um and i don't think it was coming from the best place right they were like hidden selfish intentions yeah i think so yeah Yeah. and like to prop myself up yeah because of all like all that's happened i just feel like sometimes i wanted to be like on a pedestal right instead of a testimony it's like a self-congratulatory yeah like looking at your own struggles or what you've overcome yeah right. seriously and so i mean i think it, it's taken me a while to really like tell this publicly for good reasons and i mean i thought it was just fear at first i thought it was like oh i just am way too afraid to share this with anyone right but um what i've realized is actually within the last couple of weeks because I was going to share my story on my podcast right. like what a month ago right I guess maybe even right a before more. Christmas break ish something like that or no uh it was yeah it was yeah, yeah. it was it was like yeah I think it was the first week of December I was going to tell my story right. then on my podcast right. and I got sick and didn't and it didn't have like my voice was totally shot so I was like this probably is not the best time to tell my story <laughs> And, but I was pissed because I was like, I'm ready to tell it now. Like I have good intentions. I'm ready to tell it. And I just want to get it over with. Like, I'm just (laughs) like, I just want to start the process so that I can see it through. Yeah. Um, but I got sick, didn't end up shooting the podcast that day. Um, and have learned that I'm actually really glad I haven't because, or that it, I'm, I'm really glad that, that it's taken that time, right. this long. Yeah. Like even an extra month has just really helped. So, well, all right, I'm going to rewind actually back to right before I was going to tell my podcast. So right. I don't know if I even told you this, but I was going, I was in New York and with my family visiting my brother, we went and saw this musical called Dear Evan Hansen. And that was actually when I read those lyrics earlier, right, that was right. from that. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was from that show. And the whole plot of the show is like, basically this kid holds on to a really huge lie. Mm-hmm. And the lie that he holds on to is like, involves like someone's suicide and like all these awful things. Just right. a really bad lie. And... um he lies because he doesn't want people to see the real him. Right. And this lie actually helps him to become like popular and respected and right. all this kind of stuff. But he just continues to hold on the lie because he's like, I'm popular and this is great and right. I feel good. It's working for the short term reasons. Yeah. yeah. But he starts to realize through like people starting to question him and stuff and start seeing that his lies are not adding up. Uh, he starts to question every everything he's doing and he's like i don't really know if i can go on with this lie anymore like i don't know if i can do this but then Mm -hmm. there's like this voice and this was like the same voice that was in my head just saying a little different stuff that was the voice to him was saying like no you have to keep this lie going because it's like helping people to see that like the nerdy kid can actually be really popular and like you're not like you're not um 
you're not forgotten, you're not, you matter, all that kind of the stuff. same like, justification machine. Yeah. These I are, mean. These are just justifiers. It's crazy. Yeah. These brains. And it was like this really seductive lie because yeah. it's like, who doesn't want that? I right. mean, we all want that, but it was a lie. Right. And the thing is he kept holding on to the lie and then I think it started, started to get found out. He came clean and the entire musical I was just like crushed, like yeah. literally crushed. I think um, what happened was like while he was lying, I just felt all of my stuff Absolutely. building back up again. And I've never felt it like that before. I've never had to face it like that ever since right. I've come clean. There it is in third person. Yeah. Right? Like it was wild. Right. <laughs> it was truly wild. And so as he started to come clean with everything, I felt all that too. I literally thought I was going to walk out of the room and going to have to leave the show because I right. was bawling. I mean, You're I... You being very directly addressed yeah. by that art, right? Yeah, and I turned... I, like, turned into my shirt and just started bawling because I didn't want the people next to me to see. I didn't want my mom to see. Mm -hmm. My mom knew that this story was going to connect with me. Right, right. But I didn't know why. I didn't really know the story that I was going to see. And uh, I... So I just, I felt so like connected to that story. And actually what happened is that, um, that weekend I ended up telling my parents, like, I'm going to tell my story on my podcast. Here's the date. Right. I didn't before because I think it's just scary. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's scary to tell that you don't, you don't know. You don't always know if your parents are going to approve. Like my parents have been fully supportive on this entire journey, but like there's still that fear that well, what if, like, what could it do to our family? Yeah. I mean, I might hurt people in this process. Right. I don't know. Or I really be don't worried, know. worried that you would somehow be hurt yeah. by the process. Right? That kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't know the answers. I really don't. But what I know is I have to tell this story. Yeah. And Truth I didn't. Truth is the best way to start when you don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know? And that's that's so true because, I mean, that's how I've lived my life now. And it's just. I mean, ever since I knew that I had to tell my story, I was like, I, I'm telling my story. Like, right. I might hurt people in the process. I might hurt myself in the process, but I know that I'm supposed to. And mm -hmm. so I have to do this. Right. The no why you had the why secured. Yeah. At the, the why was secured. And you yep. can kind of shift gears. Yeah. So you know, it's happening. It's and happening. anything else, like how it was going to happen. Didn't really know. Mm -hmm. Didn't even have a podcast at that point. So like had no idea I would have a platform to tell my story right. on. Um, but yeah, so I mean, back to like a month ago when I was going to tell it, and then I was in New York, um, and I ended up telling my parents I'm going to tell it on my po on my podcast, and it was like that watching the show combined with the moment with my parents yeah. and knowing that I had their full support, because I started bawling as soon as I started telling my mom, like I was like, Mom, I'm gonna tell right. my story. Like it was, right, like right, it right. was immediate. I'm gonna tell my story on my podcast, and she just like walks over to me, and just gives me this like full embrace that I'm like, she's like, Kira, just know like no matter what, you are always loved. Mm -hmm. Like we always want you to live out your truth, and we know that this is going to help people, and you need to right. do what you have to do. And I like, That's great. I have, I mean, my mom and I have struggled with like emotional, like. Uh, maybe we should cut that out. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I, I think everybody yeah. understands what you mean. I mean, parents and children are always going to have yeah. deep emotional struggles. Yeah. And 
complex ones and unique individual ones. Yeah, you know? and so I've well, I've always connected really well with my dad, um, and my mom has always just fully provided for us, like materialistically and stuff. Mm-hmm. But we've always had a harder time connecting. But this was one of those moments where I was like. I am fully loved by my mom. Like there is no question about it. My mom just straight up embraced me in like such a vulnerable moment. And just, I mean, she started crying too. And she was like, Kira, like, I want you to do this. And that hearing, not that even that I have to do this, but like, I want you, but wanting you. And that was huge. And my dad, of course, was like, yeah, Kira, like, do this. Like, my my dad's Right, he was, it. but you kind of assume, you, you But my mom's a little that. more rational and, like, logical. I mean, she thinks out of logic a lot of times and just has fears right, sometimes. Right, absolutely. So she's like, in the past, she was like, well, like, how could this hurt you? I want you to be okay, that kind of stuff. But this in this moment, she was like, no, I know you need to do this right. and you're going to do this. She'd, she'd seen your journey and she yeah. knew that what you needed mm-hmm. to bring it around to fruition was yeah. to tell it out loud to yeah. people. And so, I mean, I thought the timing was perfect. That happened. I actually was reading a book called Unashamed by Christine Kane. Mm-hmm. Same thing, like like pretty much the same storyline. It's not that she really lived a lie or a double life, but she like had a lot of stuff that she was ashamed about in her life. And she's like really broken into freedom and stepped into her freedom through telling it. And so those three things combined, I was like, I'm ready to tell it December 5th or whatever, December 8th. I think that was the day. I was like, that's the day I'm going to tell it. It's happening. Didn't end up happening because I got sick, but now I'm here telling it, and I'm really glad that it actually took that extra month because on the day of my the day I was going to tell it, December eighth, I ended up going to brunch with my friend right mm-hmm. before I was going to have the podcast. And we were just at a coffee shop, and I bawled. <laughs> I was like uncontrollably bawling. Like I didn't know. I didn't really know like what I was saying. I felt like I almost kind of like blacked out and stuff because yeah. I was just like what emotional blackout. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm just straight up crying. I was like t- telling her about the events that had happened in New York and right. stuff, and she said something really special to me and really powerful. Like as I was crying, she was like, "Kira, this is this is the most real that I've ever seen of you. Like this is the most you I've ever seen. This is actually who you are. You are this tender, broken, right. and like." light-hearted person that just wants to feel for right. other people for yourself like this is you you are this vulnerable person yeah. and and when you felt like you lost control is when she emphasized yeah. that you seemed the most like yourself yeah and that was one of those moments where i was like i don't have to have it together all the time right. i'm okay to cry i love i've always loved crying but like now i really love crying like yeah. from that moment i'm like because she said Kira, that's the most you that I've ever seen Absolutely. of you. I'm like, okay, well, I want to be more me than I've ever been. What's so I'm going to cry. What's truthful if not pain yeah. expressed, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I'm glad I waited because that happened. Um, I ended up, like, seeing my parents over break and just talked to them more about everything. And I felt like I was more in a place to tell this. And, like, the books I was reading just really felt like they were encouraging me in different ways to, like, to really have good intentions right, behind this. Right. And and I think now I'm just in this place where I'm like, I'm not doing this for myself anymore. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm free. At this right. point, like, I know who I am, yeah. and 
I might not always be confident in who I am and I might struggle with it, but like I have owned my truth enough to know that I'm free in it now. Absolutely. And I do, I mean, the more I tell it, the easier it is and the more Mm -hmm. shame gets released and all that. But like, I want to do this for other people. I do because I know out there that there are so many people struggling with shame and who have felt crippled by shame their entire lives, whether it's something that was done to them or something that they did to themselves yeah. or like just something that happened to them. And like people feel crippled by shame, but I know that people desire freedom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my story, like maybe it gives them permission or it gives them the invitation mm-hmm. to know that it's okay. The things like, we feel shameful about are the things that feel unshareable, yeah. right? But and when that, you start well, to connect yes. with people through those yes. shameful things, mm-hmm. it transcends all of that. Yep. And I, I'll be honest and say, I thought my secret was so dark for the longest time, and right. still sometimes, that I could never share it. Right. But no secret is too dark. That's right. None. Like, and there's always light in the darkness. Absolutely. And like, my story might be like deep and there might be some weird parts about it. Yeah, sure. But there is a light at the end of it and there is hope in it. And I think ever since I have started telling my story and being more of myself, I have experienced like the most belonging that I've ever experienced in my life. Like I have the best relationships with people. I feel valued. I know who I am. I have more compassion than I've ever had. I have more courage than I've ever had. Like the more authentic I am, which is interesting because the more unique you are, actually the more like connection, compassion, courage, joy, all that you will ever have. It seems paradoxical. Yeah, it seems super paradoxical, but it's not. It's like, that's the truth of it. It's like this culture would just love for you to forget that seeming is not the same as being. Yes. You know, and And we slowly learn Mm -hmm. that being is the truth. Seeming is never the truth. Yeah. And being is simple. It's yeah, like it's much simpler. It's way right, more right. simple. Gosh, you know like, right right away when you're being yeah. versus trying to seem, yeah. don't you? Because seeming is complicated yeah. and it ends up in a lot of heartbreak right. and pain. It's and involved with some kind of lie or some mm-hmm. kind of uh, acting. Yeah. Some kind of I'm going to try to be this way yeah. right, instead of expression. Yeah. And I just think whether you go to the extremes of what I went through in life or you struggle with addiction or... Maybe you just feel insecure about yourself, whatever. Like, I think everyone can get something out of my testimony. Absolutely. Because I know that in some capacity, everyone struggles with shame. And they might not call it shame, but they might call it, like, guilt instead. Or they might call it, like, I don't know, um, just not really fully being okay with who you are, some piece of you. That's the door that you had to walk through to find your truest value, to find your greatest power to affect others. Yes. The door you had to walk through was sharing what you thought was too shameful to share. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that that's the, kind, that's the same journey that other people can take. Yes. To open the door yeah. to impacting others, mm-hmm. you know, empowering others to share yeah. their stories. And, and I mean, I've always wanted to impact the world. Like, that's always yeah. been my thing. That's probably everybody's thing, I know. But I like, <laughs> maybe not everybody. I don't know, but me too. It's a lot of me people. <laughs> it feels like an intrinsic thing. Yeah. You're supposed to try to do that. Yeah. Right, right. And I think what I've learned about that is, and actually Steve like mm. kind of shared this too, don't 
strive to impact the world. Strive to impact the person who's right in front of you. Absolutely. And it's like, I, the more I share this with the people around me, I mean, I guess the more I share this publicly, I feel more connected to people. But at the end of the day, like, as long as I'm telling this to whoever's sitting across from me, like, yeah. that's great. Like, right. I, I know that they can connect with me more, that they can maybe be inspired to overcome whatever they're yeah. going through. And I, like, I, and I said this earlier, but the biggest thing I've learned from all this is the truth sets you free. Absolutely. Every single time, 100% of the time, it is not easy. It is not fun all the time. It is not, um, it's not even like sexy. It's like, mm -hmm. it's brutal. It's hard. Mm -hmm. But like, if you want freedom, share your truth. You're like carrying around the weight of yeah. your expectations mm -hmm. of other yep. people's impressions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that gets heavy and there's just no reason for that to be oh. a weight you're carrying mm -hmm. because it, it, it only exists in your imagination in the first place. And what you actually, and what happened directly to you is when you learned to start sharing yep. is when you began a, a, a series of empowering experiences. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. every time you shared, or it seems like a lot of the times you shared yeah. is when instead of finding a wall, mm -hmm. you were finding compassion. Yes. Because mm -hmm. other people struggle too yeah. in their own way. And everybody recognizes mutual struggle, yeah. you know? And the last few weeks, and the other reason why I'm glad I waited is because the last few weeks, I have literally, as I've listened to this soundtrack of this musical again, I've literally started crying for other yeah. people. Yeah. Like not for myself. I've started crying because I've thought about people who have come to me, whether they be friends, family, or just people I don't know, and just other stories I've heard of people coming coming and saying like, I am ashamed of who I am. I am ashamed of what happened to me. I am ashamed of what I did. But like, I'm still here and I still want freedom. And like, yeah. I, I cry for those people because like, I know what that feels like. Yeah. I know what that feels like. And and again, I just want you to know that like you you can't have that freedom. All you have to do is just start owning your truth. And it's brutal and it's not sexy, but like if you want freedom, that's what you have to do and you'll love it. You'll love it on the other side. And I am on the other side now and I'm telling you from the past to the present, I am so free and I want you to have freedom as well. Right. If it's something that's easy to say, that probably means it's it's not the thing that will empower you the most to no. say. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think just along that point is it's like the hardest things to say bring the most courage mm -hmm. and the most strength. You really start to right. see how strong you are when right. you get to share things like this. Just like, like any other life experience, when you've gone through difficult things, mm -hmm. all you see is your potential to go through yeah. even more difficult yeah. things. Like, I mean, to be honest, I'm not, I'm really not qualified to have a podcast. Like the, <laughs> the thing that I'm learning about God really is like, mm -hmm. actually someone said this on my podcast, Lainey, God qualifies the unqualified. Like who... Like, who am I to say that I'm qualified to be here on my podcast telling my story? I'm really not. Right. That requires some context from bird's eye. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, I mean, at the end of the day, I, like, I don't feel like I deserve to do this or anything. I just know that I have to and that I know on this journey that God is going to give me the strength and the courage and empower me to go ahead and share this and... I mean, like I said, I, I've just really started to recognize like the inner 
strength that I have. Right. And like I do uh, attribute that to him and right. only him. It's not something that I feel like I could ever get myself. Right. So. Anybody who's walked through the shame into the empowerment, yeah. you know, has something that they can give to another mm-hmm. human yeah. that is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? And yes, like just, and connection is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the things that I've learned from all this is that one, your secret is not that dark. <laughs> right. It's really not. Just share your truth. My dirty laundry is the dirtiest. Well, then all, not, of our, not. all of our laundry is quite dirty. Yeah, we all <laughs> have dirty laundry. Your secret is not that dark. None of us do our laundry no. is what we're saying here. Um, and that there is always purpose in your pain. There might not be a, like, I think we always say, oh, this happened for a reason. I'm right. actually learning that's not the best thing to say, and it might not actually be true. But what I am learning is there's always purpose in your pain. Right. Like, there's always that redemptive and restorative, restorative, that's the right word? Restorative sounds like how somebody would spin that. Right? <laughs> so, like, there's there's always redemption and restoration that's offered to you through right. your pain. And so there's purpose in that. Right. Lessons. It's it's just that I, I always, the, it's the most obvious metaphor in the world, growing pains when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. You're lying in bed and your legs hurt and it is painful to get larger. Yeah. You are going to wake <laughs> up taller than you were yep. as a direct consequence of the pain that you're feeling that's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, how many of these lessons do we need that are yeah, so I concrete? Know, right? They're not even abstract. It's not mm-hmm. even like, that's not even artsy. Right. It's like, yeah, you pain at night and yep. then you were taller. It's like, that's so direct, you know? It's literally, Same yeah. thing, same thing. Pain is a prerequisite ingredient for yep. growth. You know? It is. Wow, that's so literal. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I it's love growing it. Yeah. pains. Like, it's like, come on. I never think about that. It's like we get all these obvious lessons and we like try as hard as we can for like 25 years to like try not to know those it. things. Yeah. And eventually we're like, fine, fine, I know it. Yeah, fine. yeah. Well, and so, like, those are two things. The truth sets you free. I can't say that enough. It's true because it's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is, like, for me, if I were to be that somebody else, I would be wasting my time. I would be wasting God's time. I would be wasting your time because, like, how can you ever help people or even help yourself if you are somebody else? So you are of no use to anyone. Pretending does not help anybody. Never. And if you are trying to be someone you're not, you're just wasting your time. You're 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 self strangling. You're 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 mm-hmm. robbing yourself robbing of yourself. what you were given that is the most special. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is just you. You are special. Yeah. You are uniquely special. Mm-hmm. Just being you. Like doesn't matter what you've been through, who you are, the different pieces, like just you as a person, you are special. I don't know if this quote sounds dark, but I think it's beautiful. Emerson, it's an Emerson quote right from okay. in there, from Self-Reliance. Mm-hmm. Imitation is suicide. But it I know is. that sounds dark, no, but that's but an Emerson. Is. He's a good, he's good. It hmm. is, because it doesn't lead to anything. No, you cannot, but there, there is no mm-hmm. true, yeah, you, your true value cannot come from imitation. Yeah. Yeah. So who would you say Kiara is now that you've stepped into freedom? Well, first I'm free. <laughs> yeah, first um, off. I am so free. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I already literally said all the words but i have experienced more joy than Mm -hmm. i've ever experienced more connection with my parents with my friends with people i don't know than i ever have before i have more courage than i've ever had um and i feel like i'm just not really living for myself anymore like that's hard on a daily basis to do but like overall i mean i i don't think my goal necessarily is to be like 
living to protect myself anymore. It's right. just living to like help others now. Right. Because so, yeah. living to protect yourself or living with yourself in mind usually is just ends up being a barrier between yeah. yourself and the world. Mm-hmm. It's like a self-reference that ruins the most open relationships. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, and I always say this, like I just like everyone else, I'm a work in progress. I, mm-hmm. I am free, but like there are times when I question who I am and like there are times when I don't wish that I fell back into what I did, but there'll be other circumstances where I'm like, I don't feel like I'm the most Kira that I could be Absolutely. or like I, to try and fit into a circle of friends, maybe I'll like, like laugh at something that I don't actually think right. is funny. Everyone's and that laughing, kind of time stuff. to laugh, time yeah. to laugh. Like I don't, I'm not perfect at being myself a hundred percent of the time, but I strive to be the best person that the best Kira that I could ever be. Right. And I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm more connected to people is right. the biggest thing. And that me. never could have happened without this journey no, that you're talking about. Definitely not. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be me now. Wow. So are there any kind of um, s- quotes that you feel sum up the message of the podcast today? I actually have multiple. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, nice. I've got one Bible verse that I, I kind of hope I wrote down so I don't misquote it because I don't really like misquoting the Bible. No, right. But yeah, like, long book to misquote. Well, I'll just give the story of it. Basically, it's this guy named Jacob, and he's a younger brother of, um, like, he has an older brother. And apparently in biblical, biblical times when you are the youngest child, like, you get the shaft, basically. Yeah, trust me. Don't I know it? <laughs> I guess Sorry. it's true nowadays, too. <laughs> yeah. say, like, you get the shaft. And... Um, and so his like his actually Jacob's mom like helps him to tell a lie to his father that oh his brother like went away for some time for something and he like goes to his father and pretends like he's his brother because they have oh his father's blind that's oh, why so his father yeah. can't like see but he can tell with the voice that right. it's a different son and so he goes to his his dad and like carries on with this lie and is like oh i'm esau that's his brother right. and and he like ends up like not getting caught and uh somehow carries on with this lie and then gets to a place where i think they're like angels wrestling with him or something and this is just one of those powerful bible verses i guess that i've ever seen um the angel asks jacob who are you and they're like they're wrestling or something but he just he just asks who are you and for the first time jacob says i am jacob and that's like oh man that just shakes me up but i would say now the most powerful thing is i am kira i am not someone else i am kira right and it took a long time of wrestling to say that but like i know that now and oh and what happens with jacob is after that, God gives him a new name. I think the new name is Israel. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I haven't literally been given a new name. But mm-hmm. I feel like my new name is I'm Kira. Right. Like, right. I, I think, and freedom. Right. I think freedom is it's the new Kira name. Kira with the knowledge that there's, that imitation is never, is never a step closer nope. to your personal, mm-hmm. to, to, the, to the Kira that the world needs the most. Yeah. Right. That the world needs that the you're most. being yeah. the most like yourself mm-hmm. is what your goal should be every day if you want to spread the most light. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then like with that too, I mean, there's a couple 
books. I mean, I read all the freaking time, just like you. <laughs> Love reading, book nerd what for sure. I know, right? So there's like a couple, uh, I guess, quotes from these, well, from authors that just like have really defined my journey. Hit me. So Maya Angelou has oh, said... Is this going to be from I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings? I think it is. I think that's what it's from. Oh, I, know what I haven't actually read the book, but I've heard this quote from Brene Brown, and I just love it. Brene Brown like talks about it in her uh, book. But yeah, it's there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you, and I could not agree more. I felt that way my whole life. Really? Yeah. I we inhale and we want to exhale. Mm-hmm. We want to feel expressed for what we've gone through, you know, yes. recognized. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so like with those... Too. I mean, they're very similar. Uh, Brene Brown, loving ourselves through the process of owning our stories is the bravest thing we'll ever do. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I feel so brave after all this. Absolutely. And this one, oh, I freaking love this one. It's so powerful and empowering. There will be times when standing alone feels too hard, too scary, and we'll doubt our ability to make our way through the uncertainty. Someone somewhere will say, don't do it. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes to survive the wilderness. This is when you reach deep into your wild heart and you remind yourself, I am the wilderness. Woo! Shakes Ouch. me up. Oh, So man. good. I like that one. I am the wilderness. What's that one from again? Uh, Braving the Wilderness, Brene Brown. That one's really good. Mm-hmm. I like that quote. And it's all about, um, it's all like sparked from a Maya Angelou quote. Yeah. The whole book is. So. Right. <laughs> She's great. Both of them are great, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah. Those are my. That's amazing. Those are my quotes that I feel like I just live my entire life by now. Right. So, yeah. There's a few Maya Angelou quotes I could live my. Try to live yes, my life. Yes, I love that. <laughs> she knows. That. She's the truth. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Where, where can people? Uh, I guess they might be watching this already on the socials. But for those True. of you who are somehow seeing this without being on the socials, where can people find you on social media? So I've now switched my socials over to my personal one instead of the podcast one, which I'll talk about at a different time and you can follow me at the rage boss on instagram twitter facebook don't really have one i mean i have my personal one but i'm probably not gonna friend i'm probably not gonna accept (laughs) your friend request sorry but you can dm me on instagram dm me on twitter at the rage boss yeah Go find that. You'll probably enjoy yourself. Um, I have really weird content on there. Yeah, it's going to be great because you're going to get it mixed up with some other great stuff too. Like I, it totally shows the two parts of my personality. One is like wild, weird, ragey, like dancey, all that kind of stuff. I just love like having a good time. And then the other part is like super soft and tender hearted (laughs) and like, oh, I just want to help the world. So yeah, if you want to see that, (laughs) the rage boss, go follow me. Yeah. Great. Thank you all so much for listening to my story today. And if you want more inspiring stories that will connect with yours, you can click that big red button called subscribe, or you can go to the link in the description to also subscribe to my YouTube channel. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I appreciate you.